This podcast is sponsored by UL Firefighter Safety Research Institute. In today's modern fire environment, people have three minutes or less to escape a house fire. Fire is getting faster. But smoke alarms are getting smarter. For more information on smoke alarm technology advancements and resources to share with the public, visit smokealarms.ul.org. a firefighter and an EMS professional. You are a part of a worldwide brotherhood of dedicated servants and you put your life on the line every day for others. Because of that, you deserve better. We are often our own worst enemies and it's time to own it. Let's work to improve and change the status quo. That change starts with us, right here, right now. In every situation we're faced with, as we see a need, we own it and we act. Be the ideal firefighter you would want on your crew. Be ignited. Hey everyone, my name is Ryan Rodriguez and I'm the founder of Ignited and your host for the Ignited Firefighter Podcast. The Ignited Movement is a brotherhood of firefighters who challenge the status quo through a forum dedicated to self-improvement and accountability. In each of these episodes, we discuss a myriad of different things challenging the fire service today, from leadership and tactics to how to improve ourselves physically as well as mentally. We aim to civilize the mind but make savage the body. And even though the focus is on the fire service, topics and principles we discuss can be applied by professionals everywhere. That being said, let's light the spark. When we hear that one of our fellow firefighters is going on a diet, we sometimes tease them or try to make things worse for them by bringing sweets into the station. Things like donuts, cakes, cookies, all of that crap. None of this is productive and honestly just makes you look like an asshole. While we shouldn't be on a diet, we should be mindful of our diet. Going on a special diet from time to time is perfectly fine. However, most trend diets aren't sustainable and they aren't meant to be, hence the term trend. What's sustainable is a healthy lifestyle. One of the elements you have full control over is what kinds of foods you're putting into your body. In today's episode, I'm going to speak specifically about carb cycling, which is kind of a trend diet. It's not sustainable. It's meant to be cycled. I'll tell you what it is, and I'll give you some strategies and tools to help you use it in working toward any weight loss goals you might have. After doing this, or after incorporating a carb cycle, it better helps you understand what you're putting into your body, helps you be more mindful of it, and it can help you change your lifestyle altogether. First and foremost, what is carb cycling? When you hear the word carbohydrates, we tend to think of them as the devil. Carbs have come under attack from all kinds of nutrition experts as the reason for obesity, inflammation, and things like diabetes. But not all carbs are bad. It's not about an all or nothing attitude. It's about using the right tool for the right job. Carbs are one of three macronutrients that we can actively measure to help us with building muscle, losing fat, or maintaining our current body composition. Together with fats and protein, carbs provide a manipulatable tool to reach your specific fitness goals. A carb cycling diet is a strategy that's typically used by bodybuilders, fitness competitors, and certain athletes that are looking to increase muscle mass 
and shed body fat. It can also be used by those who need to break through a weight loss plateau. It's a very rigorous diet and only should be used for a short period of time. Kind of like the keto diet or all the other trend diets that are going on out there. They're just not sustainable. You can't live a, a keto lifestyle and be healthy, really. I mean, you really can't. Um, you're denying your, yourself the carbs that you need for your body to function appropriately. So we're going to talk about carb cycling, what it involves. Um, it, it involves a planned increase and decrease in carb intake depending on the day. So while a high carb day calls for eating two to two and a half grams of carbs per pound of body weight, a low carb day includes approximately like half a gram of carb per pound of body weight. There's also a no carb day that usually calls for less than 30 grams of carbs. Carb cycling allows you to still eat carbs from clean sources like fruits and veggies and cycling enables you to better utilize fat for burning as fuel as opposed to burning carbs and muscle tissue for fuel. With a focus on your nutrition, you won't necessarily feel the extreme effects of the delayed onset muscle soreness that you feel when you work out um, oftentimes because your body won't be eating itself. It'll be eating the food and nutrients that you're providing it. So how does it all work? Your metabolism increases or decreases based on your calorie and macronutrient intake. Eating enough carbs at the right time resets metabolism and signals the body to produce enough hormones. Hormones like thyroid and leptin, which help you regulate a healthy weight. Consuming too many carbs can have the opposite effect and cause weight gain by stimulating insulin to be released more often than desired. And so what happens is those carbs get stored as fat and not as usable glycogen. Lower carb days, when done in succession for three days, encourages the body to use up its carbs, its carbs stored as glycogen and switch over to burning body fat for fuel. Burning stored body fat will lead to weight loss from both body fat and water. Every carb cycling plan is different and it depends on your goals. A typical plan keeps carb intake low or very low for two to three days and then it increases for one day. You don't go crazy on that one day, but usually on a day when you do some heavy lifting or strength training, things like that. On low carb days, intake is usually 50 to 150 grams and comes from non-starchy veggies and some dairy. Higher carb days typically feature 20 to 400 grams of carbs from starchy carbs like whole grains, fruits, and veggies, as well as dairy. So what are the benefits? Other than the obvious benefit of burning fat and building muscle, there are a few health benefits for people who are insulin resistant, diagnosed pre-diabetic, or have type 2 diabetes, or maybe they're just weight loss resistant altogether. The decrease in carb intake and insulin release allows the body to burn through its stores of carbs and switch to using fuel, I'm sorry, switches to using fat as fuel. So basically ketosis, like I said, it's not necessarily a sustainable way of life. Uh, the keto diet and carb cycling are, are tools meant to be used periodically when you're trying to like break through a wall or push past a plateau, or maybe you're getting ready for a show or you bodybuild, whatever it may be. So what about protein and fat? We talk a lot about carbs, but what about protein and fat? When carb cycling, protein intake usually stays the same each day. 
while fat intake varies in opposition to carb intake. So when carb intake is reduced, fat intake goes up to provide the necessary calories and fuel that your body needs. On higher carb days, fat intake is lowered to keep total calories in check. So why is this becoming more popular? Um, I've been hearing a lot about carb cycling lately, so I figured I'd address it. But like I said, it's, it's a trend diet. Uh, it does work, but it's not sustainable over your life. You must cycle in and out of it. Carb cycling is a type of low-carb diet along the lines of Atkins and the popular keto diet, like I mentioned. They promise quick weight loss in the short term, even though the lost weight is primarily coming from water. Once people are able to function using ketones for fuel instead of glucose, they feel fewer cravings for food, um, that's, that's full of carbs. They feel fuller longer and they have a more sustained energy level because their body's working more efficiently. Low carb intake can help make blood sugar levels steadier. It decreases insulin resistance and can reduce blood pressure. But here's, there are some things to watch out for. So <clears throat> the low carb days when done for more than two to three days can lead to fatigue, carb cravings, bloating, constipation, sleep disturbances, and the ever uncomfortable hangry feeling. You guys know that feeling. I know I know that feeling. As the body is using up available carbs and switching to fat for fuel, you'll get what's called the carb flu. Some people call it the keto flu. It's temporary and it can pass by drinking lots and lots of water. But not everyone gets the carb flu. So uh, not everyone does well with carb cycling either. So you have to kind of gauge it for yourself. You have to feel how you're doing always check with your doctor before you change your diet um, so that they're informed and can advise you with any medical things you need to be made aware of. For certain people, it can be counterproductive. So people with adrenal fatigue or Hashimoto's can experience a decrease in thyroid hormone production and metabolism, which will cause your body to turn those carbs not into easily usable glycogen, but instead into stored fat. So it literally does the opposite of what you're trying to do. Also, people who are pregnant, lactating, underweight, or have eating disorders should absolutely not try carb cycling. There are some other things, some underlying issues that need to be taken care of before you can attempt carb cycling. So let's go over some simple dietary strategies that can help support you when you um are going through your carb cycling. And then when you come off of your carb cycle, these are the things that are going to help you maintain and sustain a, a healthy lifestyle when it comes to your diet instead of being on a diet. So number one, precise observation and analysis. The food log is your friend. Keeping a food log or food journal will help you give some, or will it'll give you some insight as to what you're continually putting into your body as well as help identify any positive or negative eating habits that you may have. It's uh, like a food tracker, basically, food journal. Remember, your food journal is just data, and it doesn't define you as a person. So if you find out that you eat way too many Snickers bars or too many bowls of cereal, you can identify that as a culprit and make moves to reduce intake of that particular food or remove it altogether. Things to make sure you have lined out before you start your carb cycle journey are... Knowing the appropriate portion sizes for the foods that you eat. A serving of protein should be about the size of your palm. 
a serving of veggies should be about the size of your fist, carbs about the size of your cupped hand, and fats about the size of your thumb. I'll share an infographic in the show notes that gives you a visual on portion control. It helps tattoo it on your mind so you can have that with you as you go out to eat or make meals at the firehouse or whatever. Uh, Something else to be aware of uh, in regards to precise observation and analysis, a regular eating schedule. I'm not saying you need to eat at the exact same time every day, but what I am saying is that there shouldn't be extreme fluctuations in when you eat your meals. For example, don't skip breakfast and then binge at lunch. I know that we get interrupted a lot when we're eating at the firehouse, and there's no getting around that. However, it's a good idea to have some portable things on the truck, like jerky or nuts, to snack on when the hunger hits you, whether it's at 3 in the afternoon or 3 in the morning. Another strategy, another thing that you need to pay attention to, um, simple dietary strategy that can help sustain you, is the quality and variety of food that you're eating. If you find yourself in a menu rut, in that I mean you find yourself eating the same things every week, it's time to branch out to new things. Typically, when going on a diet or making changes to your diet, you will focus on calories and macronutrients, but by changing things up when it comes to variety, you introduce a whole new set of nutrients. Expand your food repertoire. If you've eaten a banana every day for the last 15 years, do a simple Google search for something like, what should I eat instead of a banana? And see what pops up. Swap some of those things out. Play with it a bit. Upgrade to better quality foods. If you shop at Food and Stuff because it's convenient and you can buy a steak along with a replacement blade for your bandsaw, take a trip to an organic food store just to switch things up. Take a look at at the different foods that are offered on the shelves, as well as in the deli and the meat counters. You'll be surprised at what you find. Explore new cuisines. If you've never had Chinese food, venture out. Discover new things. I went to Maine and had some fresh Atlantic Maine lobster, and it was the most disgusting thing I'd ever eaten. I know a lot of people love it, and they're like, oh, it's the freshest lobster you can get, and it's so amazing. But I thought it was terrible. It It was totally gross. Um, had I not ventured out and explored that, I would have never known that it is something that I will never eat again. You'll learn about new foods you'll like, and you'll learn about new foods you don't like. Either way, it's going to help you refine your tastes and identify the things that you can incorporate into your repertoire so you aren't eating the same ham and cheese sandwich every day. Maybe you just really like ham and cheese. I don't know. Number three, food selection, improving preparation and cooking skills. The more you can rely on your own skills to select, prepare, and cook food, the less you will resort to the habits of others or the dreaded fast food diet. Think about it. If you already have today's meals planned and even prepped the night before, then you'll be much less likely to resort to last-minute rash decisions in going with something easy that's probably not the best thing for you to eat. So let's talk a little bit about food selection. Learn how to choose the perfect avocado. This is just an example. Here's a hint. A ready-to-eat avocado has a darker color instead of a brighter green and yields to firm, gentle pressure without having a mushy feeling. I've been in uh, grocery stores a lot while on duty, and I have people walk up to me and, and ask me, well, how do, you, how do you know if an avocado is ready? How do you know? How, do, how can you check for a good cantaloupe? What does a good watermelon look like? 
These were all questions I didn't particularly know how to answer, but I thought it was interesting that these people were coming up to me like I should know. So what did I do? I got on the internet and I looked it up and I researched it and I figured out how to respond to that. And I had answers for people the next time they asked me that. Let's move on to improving our preparation skills. Once you've mastered the ability to properly prepare your food for cooking, the act of actually cooking won't seem so daunting. Breaking food prep into a separate step can help the overwhelm and actually make the whole process very calming. When I prep food at the firehouse, I'm typically the only one in the kitchen doing it, and I listen to music or podcasts while I do it. So it's like time to myself. I can reflect on things. I can listen to music, whatever. I like to be purposeful in my actions when it comes to food prep because it helps me keep things clean and organized. And in a career where chaos and disorder rule, don't allow your meals to fall into those same categories. I typically tend to clean as I cook, so I don't leave a big, huge mess in the kitchen. That's just how I operate. I don't like leaving messes. And I damn sure don't have the ego of like, well, if I cooked, then everybody else cleans. And I'm not just going to make a mess for everybody to clean up. That's not, that's not how I operate. Number four, performance recovery and workout nutrition. Your workouts will mean little if you don't give yourself time to recover because that's where the growth happens. Exercise is the catalyst for your body to start effectively building muscle and burning fat. And if you aren't providing your body the proper recovery and nutrition, it'll be all for nothing. Your pre, your intra or during, and post-workout nutrition are all equally important so you don't put any more importance on one over the other. How we feel and perform during exercise is largely determined by our blood sugar levels. If our blood sugar gets too low, we feel weak and sluggish. If we're on point with our blood sugar levels, we feel strong and motivated. It's all about that balance. We want to keep replenishing our muscle and liver glycogen stores. Otherwise, we'll put our bodies into a glycogen deficit, which will make our bodies search for other sources of it, causing our hormones to get all out of whack causes us to lose muscle and possibly getting injured. And ultimately, it compromises our recovery altogether. So, we should replenish our carbs during and or after training. Don't stress about the anabolic window closing. Studies show that as long as you're having sufficient carbs and protein one to two hours before and or after your workout, you'll have sufficient needs for proper glycogen replacement. Number five, improving recovery protocols. Ideally, you want to get seven to nine hours of sleep a night and do some form of active recovery like going for a walk or doing yoga. I get it. We do shift work. Our sleep patterns are all screwed up, but do your best to get that seven to nine hours. Do yourself, your families, the people you serve, um, those on your crew, do them all a favor. Get the sleep your body needs. Because if you don't, you're not going to be worth a damn. You're going to be super grumpy. Your head's not going to be in the right space. You're not going to be able to think straight. It's just all going to go downhill. Another super beneficial thing for us as firefighters to focus on is mindful breathing exercises. When we're performing exercises or physical duties on the fire ground, we should be very conscious of our breathing patterns and not let them get away from us. What I mean by this is that our work shouldn't drive our breathing. 
our breathing should drive our work. For example, when jogging, if you were to take a breath in and a breath out for every one step you took, you'd be gassed in a matter of seconds. And on the fire ground, if we aren't cognizant of our breathing, we could suck our bottle down way faster than we want to without even realizing it. So be conscious of your breathing. And I think I've mentioned this before, but box breathing is a great way to practice mindful breathing. With box breathing, you want to breathe in over four seconds. You want to hold it in for that four seconds, breathe out over another four seconds, and then hold it out for a final four seconds. Do that at least four times. So you're basically taking four deep breaths. However, you're being conscious about it. All those fours make it easy to remember. And as you get better at it, you'll be able to go for one minute and then five minutes and even 10 minutes. I know guys who box breathe for 10 minutes every day. That's how they start their day. Some immediate and long-term benefits to box breathing are your sleep will improve, your stress level and blood pressure will decrease, your pain and inflammation levels will decrease, you'll become more focused, and you'll stimulate brain growth. These are all backed by science, guys. I'm not just pulling this out of my butt. So practice some box breathing. You can even pause it and do it right now. Strategy number six, eat for your body type. There are generally three identifiable body types, ectomorphs, mesomorphs, and endomorphs. Ectomorphs are very lean and may have trouble putting on lean mass. They're high energy individuals who are usually the pacers or the fidgeters in the room. They've got a fast metabolism and a higher tolerance for carbs. And traditionally, these people do well with a diet that's higher in carbs and lower in fat because they burn off those carbs so well. Mesomorphs will have a medium build and typically will be naturally muscular. These people typically, quote unquote, hold their weight well. Their metabolism will be pretty uh, proportionate to their activity level. So mesomorphs do best with a mixed diet of balanced macros. Endomorphs are heavier set with shorter limbs. Their metabolism is slow and their bodies have a tendency to store fat rather than to use it. Due to that slower metabolic rate, they generally don't tolerate carbs as well, especially if they're sedentary. Ectomorphs do best with a high fat, low carb diet. So you can kind of identify where you're at uh, in regards to those three body types. And just because you're an endomorph, maybe heavier set and you don't, you know, you, you tend to put, turn carbs into fat and you live a sedentary life that can change. You can change into a mesomorph. You can take action to, to get out of that category. Um, that's what this episode is all about using diet to improve your lifestyle. When it comes down to it, manipulating macronutrient intake by carb cycling can help you increase muscle mass and lose body fat. One thing you need to remember is that this should be done in conjunction with a workout regimen in order to keep things balanced and keep you ready to do the job you signed up for. Carb cycling is a carefully planned out strategy that can be used, but only for a short period of time to achieve body composition goals and improve health markers like blood sugar and blood pressure issues. It's not good for everyone and you need to be sure and check with your healthcare provider before making any dietary or lifestyle changes. I know I only touched on the very basic idea of carb cycling, but I'm currently working on an ignited carb cycling program for firefighters that I'll put into a 30-day challenge format. 
Once I've finished outlining the program and putting it all together, I'll announce it on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I'll also make an announcement and post a link at, at www.ignitedff.com, so keep an eye out for that. In the meantime, a great tool that I personally use to track my macronutrient intake is an app called MyFitnessPal. You guys might be uh, familiar with this. It's basically a digital food journal that you can use to track your daily intake and look at the percentages of your macros so you can make adjustments accordingly. I'll be sure to put a link to that website in the show notes. As always, guys, thank you for listening to the Ignited Firefighter Podcast. Please subscribe and share. As we delve deeper into these issues we cover, we can come together and help each other learn and grow. Remember, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at IgnitedFF. And I'd also like to invite you all to join the Ignited Firefighter Podcast Facebook group. This is where we as firefighters and EMS professionals can come together and discuss the topics touched on in the show. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, if you see a need, own it and take action. Be the ideal firefighter you would want on your crew. Be ignited. Ignited.